The Truth News Network. Where the truth is relative, all truths are equal. Yet some truths are more equal than others. Congratulations, you found the right truths. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And for your daily dose of fact, here's Dan Newman. Wait a minute. I don't know about that. Some truths are more equal than others. Okay, okay, I'm not arguing today. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to the Wednesday edition of TNN Live. Glad you joined us here. You had a choice. You could not be here or you could be somewhere else and uh, listening to some other show, some other news broadcast or whatever. It's that time of day. Many are still drinking that cup of coffee. Yeah, it's only 8 o'clock out in the mountains of Colorado. And in some parts of Colorado, you're snowed in. So just snuggle back in with maybe that second and third cup of coffee and just spend a little time with us unpacking things. Good morning and welcome. So glad you chose to join us. You know, we had a, um, a really bad experience that happened in our community last night. You heard, of course, about that string of tornadoes that just ripped across the Midwest, the South, and uh, we had one of those tornadoes actually touch down within four miles from this studio. And it happened so quickly. Let me tell you how quickly those things happen. There was a house that was exploded by this tornado. And inside that house was a woman and her baby boy. They found the woman about three blocks away from the house. They found the little boy several hours later three miles from the house. We always hear the stories about the power of tornadoes and how much damage they can do and how quickly they can do it. Can you imagine what was going through that mother's mind seconds before her home exploded? An hour before that, she never gave any thought at all to her house blowing up just an hour or so later and her little baby boy being blown away three miles, picked up by a tornado in his little body, they find it three miles away. This is a special time of year. And just remember this, while we're all counting our blessings, and we're so glad today when I heard that story, you know, our kids are all grown. Our grandkids, a couple of them are almost grown too, but we've got four other ones, and we have an eighth grader. He's our baby grandson, and I just can't imagine what it would mean to me if in one instant my little grandson had been that little son, and in just seconds His life is snuffed out, and ours were changed forever. Our prayers, our thoughts are with those people today. And so, 
In the spirit of Christmas, why don't you and I just take a few moments at the top of the show? Yeah, this is a Christmas song. It's not a religious song, but it it exemplifies the spirit of Christmas. And think how blessed we are today, right now. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Your tired carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe To make the season bright Tiny tots With their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that For us, think about that woman that last night, three miles from where I sit today in the studio, lost her home, lost her life, and her baby boy they found three miles from the site of this tornado hitting their home. We just don't know. Bad things sometimes and often happen to good people. I'm sure that woman didn't deserve this. That little boy certainly didn't deserve this. But sometimes bad things happen to good people, and we just have to take them in stride. However, the rest of us, we have 
the ability to make things better for ourselves and our families. And in this environment in which we find ourselves living today, we're living in a country where every day it becomes more and more likely that somebody's going to wake up and they're going to be taught from the beginning of their lives that somebody owes them something, that the government owes them something. What is that? Well, they'll determine that, or somebody that teaches them that thought process will determine that. And then when they don't get what they think they deserve that they should get for nothing, they get angry. And then their lives just begin to fall apart right at the beginning of their having a life. We live in which country is the greatest ever? This one? The one that our parents had? And what's tomorrow's country in which we live? What's it going to look like? It's going to look exactly like what we make it to be. Sadly, we have leadership in Washington, D.C. that have purposely dumbed down everything. Oh, they go find these causes, and then they jump on these causes. I cannot believe the shove to get our young people, our little boys and little girls, and teaching them biological gender is not real. It's just something that you think about, and it is what you think it is supposed to be, not what it biologically is. Listen, moms and dads, and we got a bunch of moms and dads listening right now, listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. You can make life so much simpler for your children if you'll just Let things that are be as they are. Don't create an environment in which we're teaching our little boys and girls they're not really little boys and girls. Do you know how complicated talking to kids like that and letting them get caught up in that transgender ideology that's really not real? I don't care what anybody says. You can flip your switch now to another show if that makes you angry. Facts are facts. Gender is determined by one thing and one thing only. The chromosomes in your body. You can't change those chromosomes. No matter how hard you try to dream them into something else, or hope that there's something else, it's not going to happen. Stop teaching our babies that ideology that is absolutely unreal. It does not exist. Life is complicated enough for all of us. Just imagine today, look back over at your shoulder. How old are you, 30, 35, 40, 50? 55, think about when you were 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Think about how complicated your life was then. We thought they were complicated, but what kind of things did we struggle with? We struggled with um, 
Am I going to get that new bicycle for Santa from Santa? Um, am I going to get out of school without having to take finals? Do I need to act fake like I'm sick so I can put my finals off till after Christmas vacation? Those kind of things. We have five-year-old kids that moms and dads have told them, hey, I know you think or you have thought since you were born you were a little boy, but, you know, you like to wear dresses and play with dolls. That probably means you should be a girl, and biologically you're not, but really you are a girl. Teaching that to kids, those don't just come from the inside. This whole philosophy, it horrifies me. The realities of life are difficult enough. We shouldn't even consider throwing more of this mess on a generation of young children that are uncertain enough already with things in their lives. Why would we throw that unnecessary layer of consternation on a generation of kids that are about to face a world that is sophisticated and difficult enough? Why would we give them more than what they should have to deal with? Let them be moms. Let them be dads. You teachers out there, teach our kids the truths of life that they need to learn. And as far as the gender stuff, as far as the sexual things, teachers, that's not your role. It is not your role. We give you our kids to teach them educational things, the important things that they're going to need in life later. Let us at home deal with the psychological, the sexual things, the things about learning responsibility, all those things that kids need to learn to get ready to face the lives that they're going to face. And just remember this, everybody deserves the right to make their lives the best they can possibly make it, achieve the maximum that they want to achieve, and teach them that they've got to work to get there. We need to stop hassling generations behind us giving them responsibilities that they should never have and they only have them because we've shoved those responsibilities down their throats, we need to make it lighter than it is right now. We need to make it not easier but lighter. The burden is still going to be there. We need to teach them the responsibility of carrying those burdens but not making them heavier senselessly and needlessly, it's going to be tough enough. Let them be who they are. Let them decide who they are. Give them opportunities to learn, but stop tipping the balance. The scales are what they are. Leave the scales alone. Let your children 
deal with that in their identities. I'll never forget this. Four years ago, three years ago, we had a doctor, an MD, and also a PhD. We had her on our show, and we had just begun TNN Live. We had been publishing stories for a couple of years at truthnewsnet.org, our website, but we hadn't started this show. And it was at the very beginning. I'll never forget it. She came on the show, and she just went postal on parents. And she made so much sense. And she's the one that first gave me this idea. She stated it. She said, look, Science boils down to one thing when it comes to gender. Gender is determined by the chromosomes that we're born with. Unless and until man finds a way to change or alter the chromosomes, sex can never change. And then she said this, people will try to find ways to alter chromosomes They need to leave that alone. All that will do is further muddy the water for people that are growing up needlessly facing manipulation in nature. Life's hard enough with it just dealing with natural things. Why try to manipulate the very fundamental of living? She was excoriated, and she refused to ever come back on our show. Excoriated because she went against the norm that's become the norm in society, that gender is fluid. It's never set in stone. And her peers, somebody took the show, they downloaded the show and passed it around the psychological community in which she She lives. She doesn't live here. She lives in another city. And she hasn't done anything public. She stayed in private practice doing just that. People weaponize anything and everything that they can do to get some control over other people in their lives. I don't know why people do that. Maybe it's because of their own insecurities. I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing. I'm not saying this is a fact. So don't go out there and misquote me, but I'm telling you, there are people that are weaponizing everything in this gender conversation. You need to be careful. But while you're being careful, you need to make sure your children get the facts and they know what the truth is and they get it from you. Talk to your kids. Talk to your children. They're facing all kinds of things when they walk out your front door. And stop when they come back. Stop just acting like they're not facing these things and they're impacting them. Where are they getting their influences from? What are their learning things coming from? Yeah, it's school and all that. And now we know school and what they learn at school is more complicated than we ever thought it should be or could be. We need to take an eraser and erase some of the uncertainties that they're coming home with. Sit down and talk to them about school. 
We need to engage with our kids. They need to know that we give a rip. And they have questions that often they're embarrassed to ask us. My brother, one of the smartest people I ever have known, he has six kids. And he taught every one of them. He told them, he said, look, I want you to talk to me about everything. You have total permission, no matter how egregious, nasty, any question that you have, anything that you've thought and you want to find out if it's good or bad, you've got a green light to come talk to me. I will never talk down to you. I will never put you down. I will never say that anything you think is wrong. I will walk with you through your shame and through your pain and I will never denigrate you in any way. And every one of his kids have done that as they've grown up. What a great thing to do. Create a relationship with your children that there's always an open door with dad or mom. You can talk to us about anything. We'll never put you down. We'll talk to you and we'll teach you things but we'll let you make the choices. Isn't it interesting having all the facts about something with which to make good decisions? Isn't that what moms and dads should be about? My mother was more along that line. My dad certainly wasn't. He was a non-figure. And he left. He left mom and me. My brother was already gone. He was in the Navy. He left mom and me. December 22nd, 1969, I was 16 years old. Just imagine how much he missed. And just imagine how much I missed. We're in the lives of our kids for not just one, but multiple purposes. And it's not just to wash their clothes and tell them to make up their beds and teach them how to drive. There's a whole lot more out there that we need to get into. Now, why did I launch into this from chestnuts roasting on an open fire? <laughs> I have, I have no idea, but would you just, um, would you just let me for a moment, just enjoy Johnny Mathis? Oh my gosh. Say what you will about Johnny Mathis. He's, he's gay, but this song just sets the stage. Christmas should look and feel just like this song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose You're tired carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the seas 
the day seem a little more peaceful, and it's always good to uh, start each day not struggling, not worrying, and just uh, relaxing a little bit. This is a really helter-skelter time of year for most folks. Many of us, it's a good time of year. We've got great things going on in our lives. We have family. We have our our health, uh, good business, good jobs. But there are a lot of people that are on the other side of that. Keep that in mind. When you're walking around, when you're shopping, getting things ready for your big Christmas dinners and the parties and all those kind of wonderful things. I love this time of year. I really do. And I told you that my dad left us on December 22nd. I'll never forget that. But it didn't destroy my life. It hurt, and it hurts now. I'm 69. I still think about it occasionally. But it set the stage for some of the greatest things that have ever happened to me. It ended up sending me from South Louisiana to North Louisiana. I entered into a family that I could never even dream that I would plug into. And it's a large family, extended family. I met my future bride at Louisiana Tech University. I would have never gone to Louisiana Tech. I lived in Lafayette, Louisiana. I would have gone to USL, which is now the University of Louisiana, and I would have stayed down there, and I probably would have met a a Cajun girl and got married, and we would be doing gumbo and (laughs) and having crawfish pie right now today for dinner, and parties would be the same, but my life wouldn't be the same. And I've got three wonderful children, six grandchildren, great friends, And I'm talking with you today. 
How about that? During that song, you know, I've told told you many times, we have the ability, we don't know who is listening, but you listen over your phone or your internet, uh, your computers or your laptops, and each of those has a specific IP address. Well, we, we have software in our uh, program setup to do the show, and it tracks every IP address, not not who it is. There's no way to know that, but the IP address and the geographical city in which they're listening. And we have people listening from all over the world, 92 different countries. Uh, this show is beamed to live. And um, we have a big pocket of people up in the Northeast that are regulars. A lot in New Hampshire for some reason, several in Vermont. And this morning we have like a dozen from Beantown, Boston. And for all of you up in Boston, let me just say this. One of my favorite places, one of the best trips I've ever taken, I'm a Harley guy, right? I don't like to ride around town, but I like riding across country, and I've done that numerous times. Right now, as I sit in the studio in North Louisiana, I have an earring that I got at a street festival in Montreal about 20 years ago on a Harley. And one of my best experiences was flying into Boston and renting a Harley there with two friends and just spending about three or four days in Boston exploring everything. And it's a gorgeous city. And I love baseball. And I got to go to Fenway. <laughs> what an amazing trip and experience on that trip for me. It had great food. And so thank you, people in Boston. Thank you for our friends in New Hampshire and Vermont and everywhere else. I'm in a thankful mood today. Can you tell? <laughs> we have a lot to be thankful for. Everything's not great. Everything's not wonderful. But when you balance it out, the fact that we're listening and broadcasting together today, that means something's good, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you what we need to get prepared for. As much as we have been told, we are fixing to be flooded with some really bad experiences coming from down south. I don't think any of us realize how tough it's about to be. The ending of Title 42 next week. Title 42, what was it? It was a, um, a process that was put in place under the Trump administration when we got into the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. It was a, uh, an edict put out by the CDC. It wasn't the Trump administration, but the Center, uh, the Center for Disease Control put it out that we need to be able to have the ability to turn these uh, people around that are coming across our border because we don't know what their vaccination status is. We don't know if they have COVID or not. And so it was a thing that was put in place, and it wasn't for immigration purposes, but it worked out to work well in that regard because tens of thousands of immigrants were turned around, and Title 42 is still in place. And the Trump administration handed it off to the Biden administration. And, of course, the Biden administration said, huh, we're not going to enforce that. But it's been being used a little bit here and there. But it ends December 21st, and the CDC chose 
at least so far, not to renew it. So what does that mean? Even more illegals are headed this way. And what's saddest to me of all is there's not a family of immigrants down in Guatemala or even Panama or the places in South America and Central America. They wake up and say, you know what? We want to make that trek up there. Why don't we give it a whirl? Why don't we as a family go up there? No, no, no. That's not the way it's happening. Almost entirely it's happening because drug cartels have created a quote-unquote cottage industry. And this new industry gives those cartels multiple different veins of revenue opportunities. Now, what are they? Well, among these cartels, there are a bunch of sex traffickers. That's their specialty. A bunch of them, there are Drug traffickers, that's their specialty. A bunch of them are human smuggler experts. That's their financial opportunity. So they see these new cottage industries, and I'm saying cottage industries laughable. It's new opportunities, evil opportunities for making money using innocent people to do it. And so they are actually marketing in these countries, in Central America and South America and the communities there, and they're saying, hey, we will get you across the southern border into the United States, and it only costs this amount, and we promise when we get you there, there you're going to be taken care of financially. The U.S. government is going to take care of your health care, your housing, your kids' education, and you're going to be able to get a life and get a job in the United States of America. And, of course, that comes at a price. Many of them pay cash, but very few of them pay cash and get away without having other obligations. Do you know some of these cartels are making deals with these fathers and mothers, and they'll tell them, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to transport you. We'll put you on buses, you and your kids, and we'll transport you up through Mexico and get you right just miles south of the border. But part of the price is you're going to have to sell us one of your kids. I'm not lying. They're doing that. And many individuals, teenagers, They're wanting to come into the United States. The cartels are cutting deals with them. They're selling them as prostitutes in the United States. And they tell them after they make the deal and get them over here, the deal changes a little bit. If you don't pay us, we're going to kill your parents or we'll kill your brothers and sisters and then we'll kill you. And then, of course, there's the drug smugglers. I won't even go into the details. I, I watched this morning in shock and horror is down at the southern border, one female police officer in a traffic stop. There were some illegals in this vehicle, and they have it on video. It's on. Uh, it was on Fox News, I believe. I, I was watching. And this female police officers laying on the ground and she literally stopped breathing 
in the stop, one of the people inside the car had a dollar bill with fentanyl powder rolled up in it. And she got a whiff of it as they confiscated what this illegal immigrant had. And a little bit of the cloud of fentanyl got in her nose. And it stopped her heart almost instantly. And so thankfully, her fellow officers had Narcan, which is the drug that will reverse the effects of fentanyl and other drugs that are fatal. And they gave her a shot of Narcan, and she came up. She came to for a minute, was sitting there, and she died again. She quit breathing and her heart stopped. They had to do another dose of Narcan. It happened that quickly. There is enough fentanyl that comes across the border every month to kill every human being in the United States of America eight times over. Now, let me tell you what is at the root of this all the way down at the bottom. And I'm having to be careful how I say this because I, as a coonass from South Louisiana, I am pissed off. There, I said it. Not one of these incidents, not a single one, not one of these babies that's being sold into sex slavery, thousands, not one person is going to or should have died from not being able to make it from that trek from their country in Central America all the way up through Mexico to our southern border. None of it had to happen. In two years, in Texas alone, there were 600,000 criminal acts perpetrated against Texan residents by illegal immigrants. Those criminal actions started at the top at first-degree murder, aggravated rape, every crime you can imagine all the way down at the bottom, 600,000 in two years. That's in Texas alone. None of this had to happen. Why did it happen? Because the president of the United States swallowed the pill of euphoria that if we let the southern border wide open so that illegals can storm our nation It's good. And so you say, Dan, what's Joe Biden saying it's good for? It's good for Democrat purposes for political reasons. The Democrat Party philosophies have been rejected in large part over the last 10 years by the American people. And political power is so attractive that there is a whole group of politicians that just bought in. This is the utopia that we need to grab a hold of and make it everything in our lives and do everything possible to keep it 
the power in perpetuity, and we're willing to do anything and everything that's necessary to do that. We want total control. Well, their party membership was walking away. How do they stop that? How do they keep their numbers up? How do they grow that philosophy? And the only way to maintain it is to keep power. And if people are walking away, what can they do? We've got to find some new candidates. And where do we find these new candidates? Look south. All these people in Central and South America, they want to come to the United States of America. And if we create a cottage industry that makes it easy for them to get here, and we lie to them, and then we take money from the legal Americans born here, many, some immigrated here, some coming from South and Central America, and doing it the legal way, paying taxes, doing what Americans do, they're making us pay the total price for their dream of maintaining the power, the political power, that they have launched into and made it their utopia. That's where we are today, folks, and that's why we're there. Merry Christmas from Joe Biden. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. do the same one. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic PSSV shocks, so it's just gonna be that much more of a fun truck. You wanna go a little faster, go for it. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're gonna to want to get your hands on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, I tell you what, on today's show, before we get off the topic of um, the southern border stuff, uh, somebody that has a similar perspective as mine 
Um, last night, Sean Hannity went on a rant. <laughs> Listen with me to Sean Hannity talking about our southern border debacle and President Joe Biden. We turn our attention to the southern border tonight. Uh, could someone maybe pretty please with sugar on top let the White House know that a monumental catastrophe is now unfolding. Uh, it's a national security crisis of epic proportions. For two straight years now under the Biden administration, illegal crossings has now reached an all-time record high on top of last year's record high. This year, arrests along the southern border have now topped over two million for the first time ever. It is about to get dramatically worse. Next week, on December the 21st, Title 42 will come to an end. Now, that that's the measure enacted by President Trump that enables the federal government to quickly expel illegal immigrants because of public health risks. Now, soon the process of deporting those who break our laws, don't respect our borders or sovereignty, uh, will be long. It will be complex, if not impossible. In a matter of days, by the way, not only will our border continue to be wide open, but the government will also be unable to deport illegal immigrants in a timely manner. Not that Joe Biden is doing that anyway. Now, naturally, many are worried that this will cause a migrant surge unlike ever unlike anything we've ever seen before in two years since joe biden has become president we will have allowed a whopping four to five million illegal immigrants into this country zero vetting at all whatsoever and even this year with the little vetting we do do we found a hundred people on the terrorist watch list. Now, yesterday, even far-left Governor Gavin Newsom trotted down to the border, and he declared that America's immigration system is about to collapse. Interesting, by the way, he's complaining that state, his state's facilities are, are at capacity and continued, quote, the fact is uh, what we've got right now is not working. It's about to break in a post-42 world unless we take some responsibility and some ownership. Uh, oh, well, I think it's way past time for you to take some ownership, Gavin. Uh, Mr. Presidential wannabe, Mr. Sanctuary State. Look at this report from the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It's entitled, Dangerous California Sanctuary Policy Leaves Three Victims in Wake of Fatal Shooting. Gavin, are you reading the own newspaper? Take a look. Now, in this case, a repeat illegal immigrant and longtime criminal was shielded from deportation by the LAPD, then went on to murder a woman in the presence of her three-year-old daughter. There are countless other uh, cases just like this, just like all across the country, all across the state of California, and yet Gavin Newsom has never once spoken out about his state's sanctuary policies because Gavin loves his sanctuary state and California's 11 major sanctuary cities. Now, the message they're sending to illegal immigrants from California, from Gavin Newsom, uh, and his fellow Democrats are come to California. You're not going to be deported for any reason at all whatsoever. And not only will you not be deported, but California actually hands out cash to illegal immigrants in addition to paying their health care, in addition to paying their housing. It's no wonder illegals are flocking across the border and they're going to California in droves. By the way, if you're an illegal immigrant, my advice is go straight to California. You will have everything paid for courtesy of Gavin Newsom. 
Now, look at your screen. Every single week, more and more illegal crossings. They're jamming our immigration system. Uh, they're preventing ICE from catching traffickers, gang members, criminals, drug dealers, people bringing heroin, fentanyl, now pouring across the country undetected. And tonight, one of Biden's only countermeasures to the border crisis is creating yet another potential crisis in the process. Apparently, Joe is planning to take scores of U.S. air marshals out of the sky, send them to the southern border to help process all the illegal immigrants coming in. Now, that plan would reportedly now strip 99 percent of commercial flights from having any federal protection. No more air marshals when you're flying. So Biden is planning to sacrifice your safety in the sky. And for what? A couple of thousand U.S. air marshals uh, that are not going to be preventing two million illegal immigrants that he's allowing, allowing into the country. So really, what is it going to take for the Biden administration to secure the border? How many more people have to die? How many more drugs will pour across the border? How many people will die from drug overdoses? How much more human trafficking is too much human trafficking for the Biden White House? Now, mark my words, in a short time, when Title 42 ends, this crisis will spiral even more out of control. I guess the most amazing thing to me about all this southern border stuff, the illegal immigration, flooding millions of people. It literally is millions of people that have come across the border on this president's watch. There are tens of millions of Americans that think it's okay. And you know why they think it's okay, but it hasn't got in their faces yet. And the key word there is yet. Look, wrongdoing, illegality, habitual crime, that means people habitually are committing crimes. All of those things never exist in a vacuum. They exist in a world in which these people are at that moment living, and that means other people around them are sucked into that world with them, and that means criminal acts. Is it going to take, is it going to take a scenario in which every American person is confronted with an illegal immigrant perpetrating crime on us before we are going to look at Washington, D.C. and say, stop it? Is it going to have to come to that? I got to be honest with you. There's a song out there. We play it every once in a while. Counting Crows. You never know what you got until it's gone. Freedom is just that. You never know what it is until it's gone. I don't want to have that be the thing that flips the switch in the United States of America. I got to be honest with you. I don't know about you, but I've traveled to a bunch of different countries. We got it good. It is so much better here than it is in many other places. We need to be thankful. This should be the time of year when you just look around you, look at the people in your lives, look at the circumstances in your lives. And, you know, many of you, many of us, we have issues, we have problems, but isn't it kind of cool to know that even though we do have issues and problems, we live in a country And in this country in which we live, we have the ability 
freely to go out there and find the answers we need for our problems. We don't have a government, well, at least maybe not all the way, but we don't have a government that totally controls every moment, every circumstance of our lives. And there are a lot of places on the planet Earth where the opposite of that is the reality that all their people live in every day when they wake up. They're under siege by their government. Just imagine this morning. Now remember, two years ago, Ukraine was a up-and-coming, really neat place in Europe. I know a lot of people that would even go there on vacations. A lot of diversity a lot of geographical differences. It was a very up-and-coming country, big cities that when you went there, it wasn't different from many of the big cities in the U.S. with the exception of the language. And now it's in total decay. Vladimir Putin, his missiles, his bombing attacks has destroyed that nation and people don't have food. They don't have the ability to turn lights on and off. They don't have a home anymore. They didn't do anything. It can happen that quickly. I just don't want to see my kids and grandkids live in that world. I don't want to live there either. But I've had 69 really darn good years so far. I'm okay. Whatever happens, I'm going to be fine. I'm a Christian When the trigger is pulled, (laughs) moments later, an instant later, I'm going to be somewhere that's better than even Earth. But until then, I love having a place where I can make my life exactly what I want it to be or close to what I want it to be, and I have the ability to work hard and reap the results of the work that I do. Lone Star State Residents. They came out yesterday and raided President Biden's overall performance for this year. A majority gave him, guess what, grade? Well, a failing letter grade. I don't really think that he's made strong decisions to progress our country forward in terms of our economy. That's one Texas woman. She gave Biden an F, or being nice, she said maybe a D minus. But another woman in Austin, Texas, gave Biden a B. She said she was satisfied with the job he's doing, especially his push for federal student debt handout. Well, guess what? She has a bunch of college loans that she owes. A lot of millennials and younger generations don't have access to housing or purchasing their own home or achieving certain financial goals that older generations were able to do. And the student debt bill definitely helps to aid that financial burden. Biden announced that student loan forgiveness plan back in Austin, uh, excuse me, in August, and it offers up to 20 grand of debt relief to qualified borrowers. Legal challenges have left the program on pause and has yet to cancel anybody's debt. Hey, listen closely. It ain't gonna happen. It's unconstitutional. Joe Biden did it to get votes in the midterm elections. It's over. It ain't gonna happen. The U.S. Supreme Court is going to rule 
Only Congress can do that. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House herself said, and we played for you her saying it a year ago, nobody can cancel student debt loan money except the United States Congress. No president can do it. One Austin local who recently moved from Washington, D.C., gave Biden a C. I'm a little bit disappointed in the economy. What economy is this guy living in? Inflation has really picked up. Duh. His approval rating sat at 43% in a recent Associated Press poll. 28% of American adults say the country was headed in the right direction. What America are these 28% looking at, living in? Travis, this guy, gave Biden an F-, singled out the president's support of the war in Ukraine as a low point in his presidency. His worst performance was probably getting us into the war in Ukraine, the Texan said. He worries about other people's borders, Ukraine's borders, but he doesn't worry about our borders, and I find that appalling. Another Texan graded Biden a Z, (laughs) a Z, as in Zed or Zoo, to illustrate his supreme dissatisfaction. What's lower than an F, like a Z? We'll call it a Z then. That's about as low as you can go. For him to be performing this poorly, I really haven't seen anything like it. To watch more Texas residents rating Biden's end-of-year performance, you can go to a story. And, and just go, if you want to see it, go to Fox News and, and do a search for the Z performance rating of Biden. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Well, Congress isn't through. No, 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 no. The Pelosi majority Democrat Congress is not through. There is a looming omnibus spending bill. Now, we got to have a spending bill. We at least got to get a continuing resolution because the government runs out of money next week and legally they won't be able to pay for anything. So, of course, typically what happens, especially when a year end is happening and in January there's going to be a new majority party in one of the houses in Congress, they don't do any big deals at the end of that congressional session. They just do a uh, a continuing, a CR, continuing resolution to give the government enough money to bridge the gap until the new Congress takes over in January. Not happening now. The Pelosi majority, and remember the Senate is Democrat-controlled as well, they have put together a huge spending bill. There are over 7,500 earmarks that total $16 billion. Lawmakers are trying to negotiate it to be in a year-long omnibus spending bill that would expire at the end of the current fiscal year, all the way up to September of next year. Think about that. 7,500 earmarks. What are earmarks? Those are little bitty things that individual legislators put in a bill. The bill itself has nothing to do with those earmarks, 
but it's little spending opportunities that they can get for all people that give them big campaign contributions. Or they may need a park remodeled in their city or something like that. 7,500 of those. Bloomberg government reported there are 3,123 earmarks, which are more of those, that total $7,780,973,000 from the Senate in the 2023 appropriation bill. 4,386 earmarks totaling $8,231,999,565 from the House. Listen to this. I'll give you the official line. Quote, the Senate included 3,123 earmarks totaling the number I just gave you in its fiscal 2023 appropriations bill released back in July, according to a Bloomberg government analysis of nine documents published by the Senate Appropriations Committee. A central Excel document containing all the earmarks compiled from the nine PDF files is available online. On the House side, lawmakers included 4,386 earmarks totaling the $8 billion number I gave you. According to an analysis earlier this year, a central Excel document with the House earmarks is also available online. Combined, the two chambers have published 7,509 earmarks totaling, are you ready? 16 billion, 12 million, $972,565. The earmarked funding total is slightly less than 1%, listen to this, of the roughly $1.7 trillion government funding package lawmakers hope to finish this year. Members agreed to apply a 1% limit to the new earmarking process when they brought it back ahead of fiscal 2022 after a decade-long ban on the earmark process. Earmarks are spending provisions that House and Senate lawmakers have attached to bills that are likely to pass and to be signed into law. It's kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I got this one thing. I need this for this guy. You know, he, he gave me a bunch of money. And he's been a friend forever, so I need, I need to put this earmark in there for it. That's exactly what it is. The Congressional Research Service has defined earmarks as benefits to, quote, a specific entity or state, locality, or congressional district other than through a statutory or administrative formula or competitive award process. Ultimately, they allow lawmakers to put pork in bills that fund projects in their districts, which could also be used to reward their donors and special interest. The typical argument lawmakers use for earmarks is that they can help to relieve partisan gridlock. A politician might agree to break ranks with his or her party if there's something in it for the folks back home or for the campaign coffers. Bloomberg government explained that powerful retiring senators 
would be some of the biggest winners if negotiators can reach a deal on the omnibus. This includes Senate Appropriations Chairman Patrick Lee, he who is a Democrat from Vermont with $213 million in earmarks for Patrick, Vice Chairman Richard Shelby, Republican of Alabama, with $656 million in earmarks, and Senate Armed Services Ranking Member Jim Inhofe, Republican from Oklahoma, he's only got $511 million in earmarks for his part of the omnibus bill earmarks section. Shelby's hundreds of millions in earmarks puts him with the most earmarked funds for the second year in a row. That includes $200 million for the Alabama State Port Authority. And a lot of you didn't even know Alabama has a seaport, but they do in Mobile. $100 million for Department of Transportation work on the Woolsey Fennel Bridge over the Black Warrior River in Tuscaloosa. Now, why would they want to do that in Tuscaloosa? What's located in Tuscaloosa? The University of Alabama. And $76 million for the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Medicine. Notably, it is possible lawmakers can't strike a deal on an omnibus package and continue to push the deal the next year after the retiring lawmakers exit Congress. In that case, it's possible their projects will be taking out negotiations in the next Congress. Wah, wah, wah. Why do we even consider allowing earmarks to happen? Listen, if it's good enough and we need it, it needs to be debated in regular order before congressional committees then to the floor of each house to be debated, maybe amended. This earmark crap has got to stop. It's spending the nation into unpayable debt. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's, uh bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. In a chainsaw. Get not only the news, but the truth in the news. From TNN, the Truth News Network. Dan Newman. 
You know what I like about this uh, this specific time of year this year, what's going on? Congress is still working. They got so much that they, uh, they have the year-end deadline that they've got to get done that, I mean, they're up there and they're really working. As a matter of fact, we reached out. We were going to have and wanted to have Congressman Mike Johnson on the show with us last week. And the word we got was their wall to wall with trying to get all this stuff done. He is going to be here in Louisiana during the Christmas holidays. And we got word that he'll probably be able to be with us next week, maybe actually even in the studio here with us. Um, Hopefully that'll happen and we can have some of his undivided attention to go through many of the things that many of you are wanting to ask your legislator about, and maybe those of you even in other parts of the nation that are listening in, he can shed some light on what's going on up there and what probably will be happening after the first of the year. Let's just hope so. John Barrasso, you hear the name all the time. He's a senator. You know where he's from? Wyoming. And you don't even think much about Wyoming being an oil state, but they really are. He pressed a top Interior Department official yesterday over President Biden's past statements on U.S. oil drilling. Barrasso put up statements of Biden. One of them proclaimed that he would end drilling. The other denied that he was holding up energy production during a Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee hearing. When he was lying, which was the lie? This is Barrasso. Because clearly the president is lying. He was asking Deputy Secretary of the Interior that question, Tommy Boudreaux, which one? So, Senator, I think, as you know, production on public lands, both onshore and offshore, has not stopped. This is Boudreaux in response. In fact, in this administration, production levels, and this is just EIA information has increased on public lands to over a billion barrels a year. Now, Biden denied that he blocked energy production on federal lands on June 22nd. He called the claim, his word, nonsense. Months later, Biden said there is no more drilling. And he said it twice, there is no more drilling. That was during a November 7th rally in New York. Boudreaux also said the Biden administration was not blocking drilling on public lands. Well, the Biden administration canceled a planned offshore oil and gas lease sale in May and announced new limits on offshore drilling on July 1st and revoked a permit for the Keystone XL pipeline in January two years ago. So then the president is lying when he says no more drilling. There is more drilling. There is no more drilling. That's a direct lie into the camera to the American people by the presidents of the United States, Barrasso said. He's pressing Boudreaux. So I don't, you know, I can't comment on a quote sort of out of context, but clearly There is ongoing drilling on public lands as well as production, Boudreaux said. We didn't get an answer. Which is it? (laughs) 
I know you're shocked that our government won't clear up everything. Little bitty things like, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs of Americans in the oil and gas industry that Joe Biden just wiped out at one failed swoop a week into his administration back in 2021. And of course, everybody in the Biden administration, they're all on at saving money in transportation, getting rid of all of these carbon emissions, things like, you know, jets. I can't wait to see a jet that has a long enough cord to plug it in to fly from Chicago to Maui. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You got to laugh at this insanity. And, of course, one of the biggest green new energy deals, the biggest one of them in the cabinet, Joe Biden's cabinet, is Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Well, guess what? Mayor Pete has taken at least 18 flights using a private jet fleet managed by the Federal Aviation Administration and paid for by the American taxpayer, 18 private flights to multiple states that include Florida, Ohio, and New Hampshire since being a part of Joe's cabinet. Now, these flights are real, according to records obtained by the government watchdog group, Americans for Public Trust. Flight records obtained by the government watchdog group, showed that Biden's transportation secretary's flight records also align evenly with his external and public engagement schedule. The report noted that the exact taxpayer cost to Buttigieg's flight is unclear. Still, the Washington Post reported that the FAA charges federal agencies roughly $5,000 an hour to use the private jet fleet. Now, let me give you an example. Let's just say that flight to Florida, I don't know which city, but from Washington, D.C., let's say to Miami. No, let's say to Tallahassee, which is several hundred miles north of Miami. I do a lot of private flying, uh, chartering and business. I've done that for years, not much lately, but I did a bunch of it, and I can give you an idea of a flight one way from Washington to Tallahassee, Florida, would take about two and a half to three hours. Let's say two and a half hours. So five hours round trip. That's 25 grand. 25 grand. A first class ticket would probably be about $1,600. 25,000 or 1,600. And he's done that 16 times, excuse me, 18 times he's done that. But he and how much carbon emissions (laughs) did those private jet flights do? They did the math. He did the math. He told us that taking private jets, now this is before he was elected, he he wasn't elected, Biden was elected and Buttigieg was still the mayor from uh, Illinois, northern Illinois, I forget the town. It's the one where uh, Notre Dame is. 
Uh, anyway, not, that doesn't matter. But before then, when he was campaigning, he was talking about private jets being the most expensive way to fly, but even more importantly, uses 15 times carbon emissions more so in a private jet than flying the same place commercial. And 18 times, not only has he spent our money doing it, he spent way more, way more creating carbon emissions. Doesn't fit well into that Green New Deal. But it's not about let's all work together and cut the carbon emissions. It's about I'm in the federal government. I'm in the president's cabinet. So therefore, I'm endowed. I can do whatever I want to do in total disregard of what I've been saying for years is wrong. It's not wrong if I'm in the Biden administration. Kind of walking on down that vein, a bombshell investigation has found that at least 10, excuse me, $6.6 million in taxpayer money went to leftist organizations in San Diego that engage in lobbying, issue advocacy, and several other political activities. Ten different leftist organizations in San Diego. They're engaged in political activities, not working for the government, but they're politicizing. This report came from the Transparency Foundation. These organizations got a mix of local, state, and federal money. The report said it is completely inappropriate and possibly illegal for taxpayer money to be used to fund organizations that exist to advance political ideology. It went Well, of course, if you ask them, they'll tell you, oh, no, this is not political ideology. It's what's rest, best for the American people. That's why we can do it. It went on to say, the report, it would even be worse for funding be used for political activities and lobbying as our investigation uncovered in San Diego County. Here are some of the deal, where the money went. Alliance San Diego got a total of $700,000. Center on Policy Initiatives got $350,000. Environmental Health Coalition, a million dollars. Mid-City Community Advocacy Network, 50 grand. PANA, I have no idea what that is. 95,000. Youth Will, W-I-L-L, 172,000. San Diego Pride, 2,403,000. San Diego LGBT Community Center, 1.3 1.3 million San Diego organizing project 178,000 climate action campaign 321,000 a total of 6,602,039 dollars you're so nice to have given your tax dollars 6 million of your tax dollars to these worthy political organizations in San Diego. If that's not shocking, possibly more shocking, 
This investigation found a correlation between left-wing politicians gaining control of a governing board and the subsequent flow of money back to the left-wing groups in this form in contracts, grants, and other in-kind financial resources. In other words, a bunch of this money was paid back by these organizations to these people that got them the money from the federal government. Several of these leftist organizations promoted specific candidates for office. And once in office, left-wing politicians have engaged in a pattern of behavior of actively directing taxpayer financial resources to these same left-wing groups that supported them during elections. But the report also claims throughout the investigation process, several local government agencies repeatedly violated the California Public Records Act by steadfastly refusing to release public records. Now, what is this all about? You know what it's about. It's about one thing and one thing only. And even the Bible got into talking about it. The love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't mean and it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. It consumes people and it creates very evil thoughts and ideas. The love of money. Think about that. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. 
In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. It's not me with the blaster. Let me tell you who's got the blaster. It's Elon Musk. Listen, folks, I I spend a considerable amount of time in Switzerland a couple of years ago in business. And um, the uh, first of all, Zurich, Switzerland is amazing. It's one of the most beautiful cities in Europe. It's very expensive. It is the most, they say, expensive city in Europe. Everything is expensive, but it's clean. And there's a little bit of everything. Diversity is amazing. But their taxi situation is pretty crazy over there. Taxis are way more expensive than Uber. And so I used Uber Black instead. Now, in Zurich, when you do Uber Black, they bring a nicer car. They're all black, and they were all Teslas. My first indoctrination into Tesla let me just say this, the big sedan, I forget what what you call that model, but it is something special and getting in and out of it, it's a powerful, the engine, it's not like a gas engine. When you floorboard it, you are instantly at top speed. I mean, it's just incredible. And I said that to say this, I had not thought much about Elon Musk until I spent some time in some of his cars Elon Musk is a very enigmatic person. He's obviously brilliant. Um, He is literally a self-made billionaire, still the wealthiest man on the planet, at least the wealthiest man on the planet that Forbes magazine can access some of his financial records. I can tell you this factually, there are people on the planet that are way wealthier than Elon Musk. They don't put their financials in Forbes magazine's hands, (laughs) obviously. So I'm saying all that to say this. Elon is an incredible thinker, and he hacks off a lot of people by doing some very enigmatic things. Many people think he was stupid to buy um, Twitter. I don't think he was. I think he's a guy that thinks through everything and considers every angle of it before he gets involved in it. And he has plans for Twitter that you can bet on the other side is going to make him more wealthy. All that being said, he is enigmatic. And guess what he's doing right now? He's having a sale of Twitter office supplies. I'm not kidding. Elon Musk cleaning house at Twitter headquarters. Literally, he's now holding an auction, putting several expensive items from the company's San Francisco headquarters up for bid. The company reportedly behind on rent. Some of the items include, you know, that giant Twitter bird statue, large sculpture and the symbol of an at, and a $20,000 espresso machine. Every bid just starting at just 25 bucks. Jimmy Fallon is a Fox News contributor, host of Fox Across America, Fox News Radio, and Fox Nation. Hey, 
quality oh, above. There's a lot. Why on. don't you take a stab at this one? Uh, the Elon Musk story? Yes. Well, I think if you look at what the theme of this is, is that nobody at Twitter was working. There was an espresso machine. There was a vegetable dryer, which I don't even know what that I is. I just asked what a vegetable dryer I grew dryer up in a clothesline house. We didn't have a dryer for our clothes, <laughs> let alone our yellow peppers. You know, this is something different for me. But it keeps coming back to that same theme. These were pampered people. The operating overhead had gotten too much to bear. And even a guy like Elon Musk. I'm starting a GoFundMe for him. I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, I also saw they're selling all the, the clothes. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah. They're like, why, why are you even going to sell? Because you want to know why? Because if they don't sell them, they give them away. And they wind up in a third world nation with all the Beto for president, Beto for governor, and Beto for Senate t-shirts. <laughs> they don't need more of that. Yeah, why does on to the next topic. Why the heck do they have a vegetable dryer and a brazing Because it wasn't a workplace. Place. No, it was sorry. a woke daycare. Yeah, did, have you seen that viral video of the Twitter employee? This was before Elon Musk took over, and mm -hmm. she filmed a day in the life of a Twitter yeah. employee, and she's like, I start by getting an espresso, <laughs> then I go over to the ping pong machine, <laughs> I rent an office for a quick meeting, and then I meet my friends for like a game they, of bocce ball. They, they get picked up at like a school bus. It's yeah. like sweet pickles. It's Back in the day. Sweet pickles. And coloring books. It's not a job. You've just won the day by Thank referencing you. sweet pickles. Uh, meantime, the New York Times naming their 93 most stylish people of 2022 included on that list. Not making it up. Pennsylvania Senator-elect John Fetterman, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who, who really does dress Yeah, great. his suit's M Mark very well. Zuckerberg's metaverse avatar, I mean, just go away. And the spotted lanternfly. Let's focus on funny. Fetterman. Even Fetterman's wife disagreeing with this election, <laughs> demanding a uh -huh. recount. Look, they're getting attention with this nonsense. That's really uh -huh. all they want, right? Well, totally. That's why they do it. But I see this as an empowering moment. Oh. Because if Fetterman is one of the best-dressed Americans, then so is the guy I gave a dollar to on the way off the subway an hour <laughs> ago. Right? I gotta go poke him with a stick, wake him up, and be like, "You're an icon." Who knew? I, no, I know. No, and then the New York Times says that the reason they chose him is because he's bringing Carhartt to the Capitol. Oh, okay. So everybody's wearing Carhartt because they actually work outside. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, yeah. you made the list too. A Democrat in Carhartt is a best dress list. A Republican in Carhartt would be white trash. Right. What is he doing here? It's disrespectful to the chamber. Without this is embarrassing. Question. My favorite one on the list we didn't even mention is Ayanna Presley, and she's only on the list because she was threatening to defund on the fashion police, they would have cut their budget. They got nervous. Yeah, they got the like, New York Times you're in. Oh, don't we don't want any job. trouble. Don't cut our funding. Oh, fine. Okay, so did you see this a dictionary controversy courtesy of Cambridge? They changed the definition of man and woman. Sure. So they now define woman as an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. And then the definition for man follows along the same lines as well. This is in the Cambridge Dictionary. This is what, when kids look up the yeah. definition of woman and man, this is what's going to pop up. Yeah, well, what's, two things are interesting. Okay, one, this is obviously a cave to the woke vernacular. And uh, you can't miss the Cambridge Dictionary on the shelf. It's the only book without a spine. Like, come on. This is <laughs> oh! weakness. This is weakness, number one. But number two, there's a key caveat here because they say it's an adult. So if it's an adult who identifies as this or that, oh. then why are we allowing children and young teens to pursue hormone blockers and all of these other things that would wow. deny them their biological gender? It's kind of a cell phone because they are saying, you know, if you're a kid doing this stuff, this is just, you know, you're a weekend warrior. I didn't know you were a lawyer as Listen, well. Listen, I'm on Jimmy, top of this, Your Honor. Level. I don't have to take this. I identify as sober right now. Right. I'm going with that. Imagine being the Jimmy of 10 years ago that the definition of 
man versus woman would be controversial, open to debate, and that you'd be discussing that it. on national TV. Think about that 10 years ago. Can't take it, but think about where this takes us. It's a slippery slope into pop culture. Mm -hmm. Once they degender the language, you're watching Hall and Oates sing Them Eater. Nobody's <laughs> signing <laughs> up for that. Nobody's signing up Jimmy, for that. Jimmy, you are the best dressed man. Hey, girls. In the building. Fort Wayne, Start I'm coming for you. This weekend, let's get them. Oh, amazing. Summit City Wear Comedy Club. Wear your Sunday best. <laughs> Jimmy, thank day. you. You got some humor in that soundbite. Um, it's interesting, but uh, I thought it was kind of cool that Elon Musk is selling office furniture out of the Twitter building. Of course, he's laid off half of the Twitter people that were there. I can't imagine having a company. I owned a company for 30 years, and we kept our employee census based upon the work that was done. And we were a service company, so as we got new clients, sometimes our need for employees was higher than other times, and so we ramped up and we took in a new client. Elon Musk went in and he shelled half of the employee base. And therefore, there's a lot of furniture and stuff that he doesn't need in that building anymore. Oh, well, things are really strange in the world in which we live. And every day we wake up and just when you think it couldn't get stranger, it does. You probably heard this blurb. I was loading this for you to listen to. Counting crows, big yellow taxi. Listen to the words. In paradise and put up a fucking line. With a pink hotel, a boutique and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone It'd be a paradise and put up a fucking line You took all the trees and put them in a tree museum And charged the people a dollar and a half to see them No, 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 don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone Paradise and put up a fucking line. put away your DDT. I don't care about spots on my apples. Leave me the birds and the bees. Please, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? To be paradise, put up a fucking line. And now they pay paradise to put up a fucking lie. One Taxi took my girl away Now don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got Till it's gone To be paradise Put up a fucking line And now, now Don't it always 
Yeah, that song kind of went along with the mood the show is in today, don't you think? But isn't that a great hook line in a song? You never know what you got until it's gone. And we live in an, in an environment today where it's been so good for so long and we take it for granted in large part. We may be looking at here in the United States of America a place where we can sing that song. You never know what you got until it's gone. It won't be here anymore. Nobody can truthfully say that COVID-19 did not change our lives and probably forever. Now I'm going to dumb that down a little bit and talk about something specific. Golf. Oh my gosh. It's December, Dan. It's Christmas week. It's cold up north. Nobody's going outside playing golf. I get it. I get it. But for the purposes of the show today, let's think it's uh, Florida and it's warm and you can go play a round of golf wearing a pair of shorts and maybe get a little sweaty and get a cold glass of tea at the turn. How about that? Well, COVID got here, even in Florida, And it changed a lot of things. Many effects in Florida left in its wake was a resurgence of golf. As a new generation wanting to spend more time outside discovered golf in Florida during COVID world. Courses now overflow again in South Florida. Tea times are scarce. Don't worry about it. The Biden administration To the rescue. Listen to this. The town of Palm Beach Gardens is using $2 million in federal money from Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan Act to build a $16 million public course with a two-story clubhouse and a driving range that should help at least partially slake the new thirst for golf in South Florida. The city's project is one of several golf course investments the Biden legislation is funding. It's entirely within the spirit of the Rescue Act, which devotes only about 9% of its money to public health causes that fight the virus, but allocates hundreds of billions, B with a bill, to local governments and schools for the vague task of providing Quote, support for recovery and funding investments in infrastructure. As one wag at a South Florida newspaper observed, if this keeps up much longer, Palm Beach Gardens may get an equestrian center from the rescue plan. Oh my gosh, showering local governments with money, unprecedented federal money, Biden's plan is the last of several emergency packages totaling more than, listen, $5 trillion to come from Washington in response to the COVID pandemic. Though it was termed a rescue bill to make it more appealing, the Biden legislation was more of a stimulus designed to stoke spending by the country's tens of thousands of local governments to boost economic activity locally. 
It was signed by the president in March of 2021, even as the economy was recovering and tax revenues were rebounding far faster than the analysts had even predicted. In the middle of that, the rescue plan allows for wide discretion now and how to spend the Biden bucks. The federal money has turned politicians into the proverbial kids in the candy shop. They're using it to restart parades, fund street performers, upgrade high school weight rooms and sports fields, and build bike paths, golf courses, pickleball courts, and other essential infrastructure. Billions are going to illegal immigrants. Cities are testing efforts to give low-income residents guaranteed money that supporters say will end poverty. Municipalities are moving to construct their own broadband networks and competition with the private sector. All of this is part of a program whipped up so quickly that included billions of dollars for municipal governments that don't even exist. Seriously. To many local officials, Biden's rescue plan allocations seem like free money. But it costs somebody, doesn't it? You and me. The act's funds haven't been generated by taxes or other federal revenues. Instead, they're financed by borrowing new money, something done mostly through electronic keystrokes these days, massively expanding the dollars in circulation and thus intensifying inflation, the highest in 40 years. Aside from the pain that this upward spiral of cost is causing ordinary Americans, inflation is also raising the price that governments pay for these quote-unquote essential services, like police and fire protection, even as politicians rush to spend their one-time Biden bucks on projects and untested programs. With a federal-induced recession sparked by high interest rates to curb inflation, now is a distinct possibility of a recession. In the middle of all of this, Biden bucks may soon be remembered as the spending blowout that preceded a local government budget bust-up. And the money wasn't even needed in most cases. Experts predicted early in the pandemic that local governments might lose as much as $200 billion in revenues. 29 states by early 2021 had already managed to bring in more yearly revenue than in the 12 months before COVID shutdown began, reaching this recovery milestone far faster than after at least the previous two recessions, a Pew study said. A more recent Pew report found states have now amassed their largest fiscal cushion in history, surplus revenues and rainy day funds totaling $217 billion, an increase of more than $100 billion over the pre-COVID 2019 fiscal year. This cushion comes even after states boosted spending in 2021 alone by 16.2%, the highest level in at least 35 years. 
Many governments have gotten creative in spending the federal windfall. Though no comprehensive database yet tracks this big program, one representative file containing the spending plans of 151 large municipal governments around the country, those with more than a quarter of a million residents, suggests how politicians are putting this money to work. The $19 billion of spending on nearly 2,300 programs and projects announced so far by these governments include this. $96 million for arts and cultural spending. $477 million for direct cash subsidies to residents or to continue cash assistant programs that Congress stopped funding. They are spending more than $800 million on housing, $219 million on government-subsidized broadband, $166 million on premium pay and bonuses to public sector workers. Despite record collections, the governments also list some $6.7 billion in Biden spending to replace revenues in government operations that were lost during the pandemic, allowing them to spend the replaced funds on projects that Washington has not approved. The millions of dollars flowing to arts and cultural programming hardly sounds like rescue financing. New York City, one of the communities hardest hit by COVID, allocated $25 million from the rescue legislation to arts projects. Includes a program called City Artist Corps that has made thousands of $5,000 grants to street performers, outdoor pop-up shows, poets, and musicians. Among the grantees, according to a social media account highlighting the works in the city funded, is the creator of a giant banana sculpture touring Gotham neighborhoods, a street dancer, an evening of bodega raps in Soho. I love Soho. And an artist activating toy plushies for kids around the city. This is all real stuff, folks. Also featured the People's Bus, a mobile community center accompanied by something called the Ice Cream Truck of Rights, which offers free ice cream while creatively educating the recipients about their housing, immigration, labor, and voting rights. Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, is spending about $5 million in Biden bucks to bolster its arts and theater community, including capital projects and grants to institutions designed to make the city a thriving arts museum and cultural environment. The federal jackpot has also produced a spending frenzy on sports, recreation, and leisure projects. One category of spending that has particularly angered critics is on school sports and recreation equipment and facilities drawn from the $130 billion sent to education districts, supposedly to help them reopen and to aid students in catching up for lost classroom time. The CEO of one sports equipment company told the Associated Press he's seen as some $25 million in spending from school districts looking to upgrade their high school weight rooms with pandemic money. Another said he's been calling school districts around the country, reminding them they can spend the Biden bucks on such equipment. 
One Iowa district spent a hundred grand of federal aid to double the size of its weight room and add a new floor with customized school branding. Federal grants gave a Wisconsin school district enough budget room to spend $1.6 million in scalling synthetic turf. A district school's athletic director admitted such a project might otherwise have been impossible with taxpayers unlikely to vote for bonds to finance it. I don't see us being a district that would go to a referendum for turf fields. By contrast, the district devoted just 400 grand of the federal money to tutoring and other aid for students who fell behind because of remote learning. Cities, counties, towns taking a chunk of their $350 billion for similar outlays on sports, leisures, and parks. Nobody's talking about all this stuff. Nobody's bringing this to the forefront. I got to be honest with you. We have people that can't eat. We have people that are living on streets trying to keep warm, find a place to keep dry at night because they're sleeping on city streets, on benches and parks. And all of these billions of dollars, don't don't get me wrong, most of this stuff is pretty cool. It's pretty neat. But is it necessary? Is the Democrat Party and this administration so fixated on maintaining their political power over the American citizenship that they're willing to spend this nation into debt that our great, 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 great grandchildren will be looking at. And of course, it'll be a whole lot more than it is today because of the interest on the borrowed money that is accruing through all of these generations and all of these years. Somebody's going to have to pay for it or pay a serious price for not being able to pay for it. Is it worth it? Are they getting enough of what they want to make it okay to borrow on generations' lives that are out there? I got to be honest with you. This is when your cable company keeps you on hold. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go there. That was an honest mistake. I'm sorry. I was fushing at somebody that uh, couldn't talk back to me. Anyway, it's crazy for us to spend ourselves into this situation, especially on things that we really don't need. Yeah, they're cool. I mean, arts, I love the arts. All of sports, I'm a sports nut. I've got kids that are playing football in high school, playing soccer in high school. I love it. I came into sports. I owned a couple of arena football teams. But I don't expect, never did, the government to pay the bill. None of this makes sense. None of it makes any sense at all. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. 
we've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Well, in this talk about spending money, why don't we include Ukraine in the conversation? Oh, I know they're in the middle of a brutal war, Russia's invasion, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to diminish the importance of the freedom and the protection of the Ukrainian people, but what price is the right price for America to pay? We're basically paying the bill for the Ukrainian fight against Vladimir Putin and What do you think Putin thinks about this? What do you think other countries, totalitarian countries on the planet, think about this? I mean, there is a country to a little bit south of Russia and a little bit to the east. They would like to take us on. And can you imagine us getting into a full-out war against China? I'm just saying, they're watching what we're doing now. 70 countries and globalist institutions lined up yesterday to pledge an additional 1 billion euros, which is about $1.1 billion in emergency winter aid to Ukraine, responding to personal pleas from President Volodymyr Zelensky to help his country withstand the winter ahead. And I'm kind of glad to see these countries in Europe pledging this money when you look at the billions that the United States has spent. The promises came as France hosted a global meeting in its capital to talk about what could be delivered between now and March to maintain water, food, energy, health, and transport during Ukraine's typically pretty frigid winter. The money comes on top of billions already sent or being prepared for dispatch by the global community to Kyiv. On the same day as the Paris meeting, U.S. officials said the White House was poised to approve sending a Patriot missile battery to Ukraine, which is a really big deal, agreeing to an urgent request from Ukrainian leaders desperate for more robust weapons to defeat incoming Russian missiles. The Patriot, if you don't know how it is, how it works, it would be the most advanced surface-to-air missile system the West has given to Ukraine in its war with Russia since the invasion started February 24th a year ago. White House and Pentagon leaders have said consistently providing Ukraine with additional air defenses is a priority. Patriot missiles have been under consideration for some time in a move first reported by CNN. One online portal has also now been established for the world to directly send money to Ukraine. And by the way, 
What is that financial platform? It's cryptocurrency. And we had an expert on crypto, probably the foremost expert on crypto in the world. His name is Dunstan Teo. He's originally from Singapore. He lives in Orlando, Florida. He's a close friend of mine now. And he is the largest holder of Bitcoin on the planet. Those of you that have been with us when he's been on this show, you know who he is and what he's all about. But he made it very clear to us last week on the show that a chunk of the money the U.S. sent to Ukraine to help them out, it went in cryptocurrency and it went through FTX, that exchange, and a bunch of that money got siphoned off for entities not involved in the whole fray, kind of like people, you know, the Clinton administration, the Clinton Foundation. Wow. Well, Ukraine needs our help, and we're going to help them. Hey, listen, it's kind of been a fun, fun show today, a little bit different. It's Christmas time. We're going to leave the show with a Louisiana guy, Harry Connick. Santa's coming to town. Did you know that? You guys have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here, 9 a.m. Central. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Yes, he's coming. Listen, he's making a list. Checking in twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice Santa Claus is coming to town But he sees you when you're sleeping He knows when you're awake He knows if you've been bad or good So be good for goodness sake Oh you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town, yeah, come on Jimmy.
so be good for goodness sake Oh, you better watch out, you better not cry Better not pop, I'm telling you why Say 